To defeat my enemy, I extinguish his life and consume him as I consume these flames. <laughs> you shoot me in a dream, you better wake up and apologize. <laughs> English, motherfucker, do you speak it? I thought you said he was a getaway driver. What the fuck can he get away from, eh? I'm gonna make him an offer again with you. Forget it, Jake, it's Chinatown. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. Patch, there's your back. That's how you get the bomb. I heard you paint houses. I've told you I hate the way you say pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it in there. I was like, bro, you got to say that fucking name again. <laughs> Wait, great way to start the episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Brackets and B-Rolls, the podcast that brings together March Madness movies in the best way possible. It's me. It's your host, Fly Guy Ty, a.k.a. Ty. I'm doing it backwards. We're doing it backwards the whole season. You already know what I'm saying. Go ahead and talk to him. Who you are, man? Who are you? I just... I'm just rambling, but go What's ahead. up, guys? It's your boy, Quattro. I'm back on the mic. How you guys doing? Hey, man. I like how you come in with the energy. Really hot start. I love how you tell, told me how you hate how, that you hate the way I say uh, puzzo. How how would you rather I say it, sir? Bro, I mean... Granted, I don't even know if the way I say it is correct. I feel like that's as correct as you're going to get, but like, I just... Would you rather me say puzzo? No, I just... I don't know, like for some or reason puzzle. that word just puzzle. I don't like I maybe mean, I just don't like that word. And therefore <laughs> It's a last name. Like it sounds like I don't know. It sounds ugh. That don't make no sense. Well we got a show to do. Let's go. <laughs> At this point, the past two episodes, we were talking about the bottom ten movies in the sweet sixteen. Or sorry, the bottom ten movies of the bottom. 26? Yes, there you go. Bottom 10 of the 26 of the entire uh, season. You know, the crime and gangster season. That's what we've been, that's what we've been doing here. Uh, so uh, we did the, the bottom 10 in the past two episodes. Uh, and I'm sure a couple of those, a lot of people were not a fan of. Uh, I'm, I got one movie in, the, in my head that I know people aren't liking that's in the bottom 10. But whatever. This is our show, not yours. Um damn right <laughs> um but today we're gonna be hopping into this the first uh four of the sweet 16 so for the next three episodes include uh uh four episodes including this one we're gonna be reviewing uh the sweet 16 the 16 movies in the sweet 16 moving on to the first round of the tournament uh march madness if you will uh so today we're gonna be uh doing four films uh to, and we decided we're gonna review them in order of release to, as a as a way to avoid any potential uh um bias in ordering them because you know if we decided to review our favorites first that might potentially uh spoil what ends up winning um in the end so we at this moment we aren't really sure what wins actually I'm not I'm gonna stop lying to y'all no, this this season has been too all over the place not to tell a fucking lie. We've already finished the season. This is we recorded episode three back in like August of twenty twenty, but um, for reasons we had to scrap it and we have to redo it. So at this point, this is the last episode we're recording. So we just we did the season finale a couple days ago, and now we're doing episode three. So. If this sounds different as far as energy is concerned from episode one, two, and four, then that's why. Um, 
But yeah, that's enough. You know, we've been pulling the curtain back the whole season, so no reason to stop now. Uh, anyway. As long as the boat gets to the destination, that's all that matters. Hey, man. True that. True that. So, but, uh, and there's no reason for me to tell you that um, the movie that ends up winning is the, uh, so I'm not going to. What the fuck? Why would you do that? I can edit. Do you not? This isn't live. You know this isn't live, right? Do you know that I can go in and do whatever I want to that? I can literally put anything on that. I can put people moaning. I can put yeah, a train. I can put That's... an air. I can put the SpongeBob SquarePants theme song. I can put Wait, a praise version. <laughs> I can put literally anything I want on that. It's not an issue that I just said that the winner of the first season was. Croissant. That's not a problem. Okay. okay. That movie, yeah, it doesn't matter that I just said that it won because I can literally do whatever I want. Now I'm fucking myself up because I have to edit a lot now. Yeah, it, 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 there's been times where you forgot to take shit out. Well, uh, they- <laughs> we can see shit on our Instagram. Hey, so did y'all mean to say the winner in episode three? So I can stop now, right? <laughs> and all that work would have been for nothing. <laughs> no, 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 no. Anyway, uh, enough. Nah, to- snaps. So you remember? <laughs> <sighs> Nah, bro, I don't think the mic heard you snap, bro. <laughs> That's a technique that we use whenever we're edit- whenever I'm editing. I use the snaps to kind of orient myself on the on the wavelength. Whatever. Uh, now let's hop into it. We've been bullshitting enough at this point. First up, we have On the Waterfront, released in 1994. Oh, wow, not 94. 1954, directed by Elia Kazan, written by Bud Schulberg, starring Marlon Brando, Carl Madden, Lee J. Cobb, and Rod Steiger, with a Rotten Tomato score of 99% and a critics' consensus reading. With his electrifying performance in Elia Kazan's thought provoking, expertly constructed melodrama, Marlon Brando redefined the possibilities of acting for film and helped permanently aft- alter. The cinematic landscape. You don't understand. I could have had class. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody. Instead of a bum. Which is what I am. Let's face it. Now, it's time for us to go ahead and uh, discuss this. I'll, I'll let you kick it off with your thoughts on the movie. How do you feel? How do you feel about On the Waterfront? You know, hearing the critic the critics' consensus, it was uh, interest, interesting because they say he redefined the um the way like the acting uh at that time um yeah, yeah he 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 kind of because i actually read a little bit about it um marlon brando was one of the first people to really excuse me uh one of the first people to really act the way that he did i mm-hmm. guess uh i can't it's it's hard to quantify because when i read the article a while ago yeah and two um i'm not like all that well versed in movies from the right. 50s and prior it's that, that was that's what i was getting at like not being that well versed in movies from the 50s and of course not living in the 50s i wish i understood that statement more not saying that it's not true mm-hmm. but understood it more to be like oh like yeah he, i agree like he really did if i'm not mistaken i think he ushered in like he he was one of the first to popularize really showing emotion i don't want to mm-hmm. be i don't quote me on that anyone i just i feel like that's what i remember reading um but yes, I I couldn't agree more. Continue. But please. yeah, I mean, like I I have heard that Marlon Brando was a pioneer in in a lot of ways, especially acting. Mm-hmm. Um, and the movies that I have seen of his, he showed that emotion. He bought that action. But on on the waterfront, I absolutely love this movie. It's honestly probably one of my favorites of the of the season. Um, much like The Godfather, 
it, it we wouldn't have a lot of the films in this season if we didn't have On the Waterfront. And I just remember really liking this movie in terms of, okay, this is the story. This is what we're doing. This is how we're going to fix it. It just was kind of throughout the whole movie. You got little bit little bits and pieces that you know culminated into this really big, nice story. And then uh, you had, and we mentioned it in the, in the uh, critics' consensus, uh, the masterful performances by Marlon Brando, who played Terry Malloy. Uh, I liked his relationship with Edie, uh, Edie Doyle. Um, oh, no, Edie Doyle is the real name. No. No, Eva, Marie, Edie Doyle, Eva, Marie, Eva, Marie, Eva Marie Saint. Yeah, Eva Marie Saint. And I also really like Father Barry, uh, Carl Malden. Uh, I thought his voice of reason in, in Terry Malloy's uh, life was pretty interesting to me. Um, also, like Todd was like a really nice social satire of the time. Um, and that it was an American dream that I'm a sucker for a good allegory to the American dream. Um, and it also like offered a new point of view for crime and the in-depth look at people in the everyday man surrounding being around that time, mm-hmm. uh, with gangsters that kind of just run the streets. And then the whole thing with the church being a part of kind of ushering in, cleaning up the streets in a sense. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. But like all in all, like I said, I love this movie. It was really good. Um, Stand out for me. Nice. Uh, I'm glad you felt that way. I personally didn't quite um, feel as strongly as you did. I certainly enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. I, in fact, I enjoyed it enough to uh, buy it. I own it. I own the movie. But um, I must say, I think that a lot of the, the one of the biggest feelings I had upon finishing this was that I wasn't able to appreciate it as much as I wish. I, as much as I wish I would have been, um, because it's it's a it's a similar situation to any kind any time uh, you have a predecessor who's kind of laid the groundwork or uh, open doors for you or open doors for something else and then you come in and then uh, and, and th- sorry not you then something newer comes in and is able to improve upon what was done previously it's hard if you weren't there to witness the original mm-hmm. it, it can be harder to appreciate it. Um, and that's kind of how I felt with, uh, on the waterfront. Cause a lot of the things that I read about it, uh, were saying how revolutionary the film was and how, uh, new it, it, it had been, um, and how defining it was for quote unquote American cinema. And, um, that was something that I could understand as I watched it and something that I could feel, but not something that I could necessarily, or I will, that's something that I could understand and, uh, see like visual like technically or i could i could point i could notice like oh that makes like that's a that seems to be something new but uh it's something that i wasn't really able to feel like i wasn't able to feel the the greatness uh if you will and i'm sure um it also would have helped if i was a little bit more well versed in uh cinema from back in the back in the day like back in the early back in the 50s and previously mm-hmm. and in fact the first time i watched this was this was the first movie that i'd seen uh from the 50s where i'd started to actively like pay attention and um uh, think critically about movies like I, i'd obviously seen i'm sure one or two but this is the first time that i'd seen a crit like the first time that i'd actively been uh critically consuming cinema and um this is the first film from that time since then i've seen quite a few um some hitchcock um 12 Angry Men. I don't know who directed that, but the, you know, just the, the, uh, some, some of the names from back then, some of the more popular names and stuff from that, uh, time period. So 
uh, with that being said, I don't know if I'm still. I'm. St- I don't think. I still don't think I'm. Conf- I'm well versed enough to confidently say that I can see exactly what. Um, I've really only seen like the heavy hitter stuff from that time. Everyone's talked about like what, like, uh, and I, this may not be fitting. Like a lot of these could be '60s, but definitely not '70s. Uh, Sound of Music, um, Casablanca, uh, Guys and Dolls. I think. Uh, I think Guys and Dolls is '50s. Yeah, uh, so, sure that's Sound 50. of Music is 60s, uh, Casablanca, I think, I want to say that's 60s as well. No, actually, wow, I'm stupid, that's 42, so. Oh, well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, the, the that's the big, like, probably the biggest stuff you'll get out of that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, as for, like, the film itself, I really enjoyed it. Like, I really enjoyed uh, Marlon Brando as Terry Malloy. I thought he was uh, great. Like, it was a, it was a really good um, character study, uh, if you will, uh, in, into his you know psyche and i think marlon brando did a great job uh you know emoting and making him feel uh three-dimensional and i also really i think my favorite sequence in the movie uh was between uh marlon brando terry malloy and his brother uh charlie rod steiger's character uh i think him i think those two talking uh, and I believe they were in like a cab or something. The point is, I know what you talking about. Uh, the, the point is, that was my favorite part. Uh, I really felt the most for uh, Terry as a character, and it, it was it, it seemed like that was the linchpin that really solidified my understanding for all, all the emotions that he had uh, previously, like everything that he'd felt throughout his life. And I thought that that was um. A really powerful scene uh and the film is also uh terry sorry not terry Malloy. marlon brando is far from the only solid performance here you have lee j cobb uh carl madden uh uh eva saint eva marie saint as um uh johnny friendly father barry and edie doy respectively um though they were all great like i really really enjoyed uh especially carl malden or sorry yeah malden as uh, Father Barry, I think I might have said Madden earlier. EA Sports, it's in the game. Uh, Father Carl Malden as Father Barry. Uh, they were all he was. His performance was strong, but so was everyone else's that I just named, at least. Um, I I mean, like I said. Oh, and I guess one other, like just one um, circumstantial, or no, not right word, not the right word. Uh, one substantial. Uh, criticism one thing that i can like actually point to uh i felt that the score was a little intrusive uh in in some sequences i thought that it it got it got to be a bit too um loud and kind of took away from what was happening on screen and so i think that that uh kind of robbed some 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 weight from the film but overall i wouldn't say it was that significant funny enough that's 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 one of those bigger testaments to the times that this movie was made in Mm -hmm. because sound mixing was a hell of a lot harder than it was back in the day thinking about how like how all that was analog and just how exact things had to be because that's a that's a common thing i've seen in a lot of movies that a lot of older movies that like the scores are just incredibly loud and just seems like they just slapped on top of the movie Mm -hmm. where now of course it's mixed in you can match it to dialogue match it to sounds unless you're christopher nolan then all your shit is loud so but Tenet, Tenet was an experience. You gotta have Tylenol to go see Tenet. Oh man, that's funny. Uh, anyway, but uh, like I said, I feel like I wasn't really able to appreciate the gravity of uh, the film. Uh, 
given everything that it's done for quote unquote cinema, uh, if you will. So, but as I said, I still really enjoyed it. Um, and I don't love it as much as others do. Uh, I kind of wish I did, but you know, that's just, I think it just comes down to personal preference at that point. So, uh, I think we're done now at this point. You want to go ahead and, uh, rate it, sir? Gonna give this 7.0 out of 10. Fair enough, fair enough. I believe... Don't remember if I gave it a 7 or 8, but it doesn't really matter since they didn't hear it. So this is their first time hearing our yeah. scores. Uh, so I'm sitting at about a 7.5 out of 10. Uh, it's it's really... It's, it's a solid movie for sure. Uh, not quite as good as I was hoping for. But I will say upon revisiting it, uh, I could easily see myself... You know, possibly moving, <laughs> bless you, Thank moving you. forward in another direction. So, um, yeah, that's I think that's a that's enough on that one. I think we've finished our thoughts on it. Now, moving on to the second movie in this review block, uh, we have The Godfather, nineteen released in nineteen seventy two, directed by Francis Ford Coppola, written by Francis Ford Coppola and Mario Puzo, <laughs> uh, starring Marlon Bra- Marlon Brando. Surprise, surprise. Al Pacino, James Caan, and Richard S. Castellano. With a Rotten Tomato score of ninety-eight percent, with a and a critics' consensus reading, one of Hollywood's greatest critical and commercial successes, The Godfather gets everything right. Not only did the movie transcend expectations, it established new benchmarks for American cinema. You don't come to Las Vegas and talk to a man like Mo Green like that. Fredo, you're my older brother, and I love you. But don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. Ever. So. All true. All true things. Um, the Godfather, which we, we've talked about this movie at length. Really hope we don't have to ever talk about it again. <laughs> but um, very, very, very important film. I really enjoyed oh, well, it. Well, keep in mind. Hang on. I'll, we'll, I'll take that out because they haven't. At this point, we've never mentioned The Godfather. So. Well, I just kind of thought they'd assume that like we off mic we talked about it. but yeah fair enough fair enough yeah. fair enough so but yes sorry you know but yeah Continue, um, this is just hard to backtrack yeah it's just in terms of the godfather i really enjoyed this movie um i've seen it tons of time it's a staple in our house my parents probably it's probably is their favorite movie i definitely understand when they say that this you know set benchmarks for film uh it's in almost any circle, like this movie is up there in like the top three, and it's not number three. So, it's yeah, yeah. I mean, and, uh, I, I, and I understand it. Like I, I get it. And this was the first time I'd watched this movie critically. And one of the things that stood out to me was its theme of family, mm-hmm. and that family was so important because when you think about gangster crime films, you know, you think killing, drugs, but you know the connections that in all almost all of these movies that family connection. It's nothing stronger. I mean, like I, my parents even say it now. They always tell me and my siblings, uh, "No, never let me ever let me catch you going against the family." Like, I don't care if you have an ought with him or whatever, but like you never go against family, and that's what you have a what with him, huh? Yeah, you an ought. Oh, okay, I yeah. see. So yeah, you try to try to catch me slipping. I mean, my bad. Yeah, your bad. <laughs> Boy, if you don't. But as I was saying, yeah, just family and just. I'm sure the people still didn't really. Know what what you mean by that? And I then hey get a get a thesaurus get a get a word of the Maybe day. Maybe a calendar. dictionary. A dictionary. There you go. What get a webby? 
get a Webby. <laughs> but yeah, just that that theme of family and just so many other themes of connections, themes of trust, uh, betrayal. But so just that, all that alone just made for an amazing story. But mechanically, this film was also amazing. The cinematography is, oh, oh God, so beautiful. Just the, the matte browns and greens were just to die for. This movie probably has some of the best cinematography in the entire season. And also the performances by Al Pacino, who I don't think I'd seen him act in a role younger than he did in this role. I'm sure... No, he definitely had done... Did he done Scarface yet? No. No, Scarface was in the 80s. Yeah, okay. So this was the youngest I'd seen Al Pacino and amazing. And the fact that he's just gotten better and better over his entire like filmography is just great. And then Marlon Brando as uh, Vito Corleone was absolutely incredible uh a lot of his scenes were the most memorable in this movie um and just everybody else from james Kahn, uh john casali as frito who? which i really liked him he was hilarious to me mm-hmm. um just really love this movie i'm glad we got to get this one in uh this season it this we honestly couldn't even call ourselves like movie critics if this was not a part of the season uh yeah especially in a in a crime and gangster yeah. genre season and you don't include the godfather even if it doesn't, even if it didn't make the, because we don't have, we have the part two, but that didn't make the sweet sixteen. Even it, as long as it's in there, it, at least it has to at yeah. least be in there. Like if it's not in there, then like you kind of lose a lot of credibility, in my opinion, at least. Right. Uh, let me see here. Just I'm doing a quick little check because I want actually I, I actually do want to know um, where was this in terms of Al Pacino's filmography? This was. Apparently, this was his, uh, let's take a look. This was his third feature-length film. Nice. His third feature-length film. The other two, 1969 and 1971. Okay, that's not important. Anyway. Um, hey, if you think it's important, it's important. Uh, I was just curious, more, more or less. But uh, I will say, I agree with most of what you said. I probably I don't know if I'd go as far as to say the uh, the specific the specificity that you went to when you said uh, it's like a top three, but not three in a lot of film circles. Only because there's a lot of film circles out there, so I'm sure there's plenty of people out there who. Dis- there's a Star Wars film circle. I don't think this movie's in there. Oh nah, definitely not. In the Star Wars film circle, The Godfather can't touch Empire Strikes Back. There's no way they're letting Godfather sniff that in a Star Wars film circle. But there's a reason Star Wars film circles have no rights. Right. Empire Strikes Back doesn't touch episode nine. That's crazy. Wow. Okay. Um, I hope we have some listeners who like Star Wars and understood the bullshit that he just yeah, said. Yeah, I really hope y'all understood that. Uh, because neither of us like The Rise of Skywalker. However, that's not what this episode, this the show is about. So moving on, uh, I also really, really, really enjoyed The Godfather. Unlike you, I had never seen it before uh, this season. And so it was really exciting to watch it because, you know, it's The Godfather is such an iconic movie. It's literally all over pop culture. It's got so much meaning and influence across just honestly, a uh, pop culture, uh, honestly. But it, it's just so uh, influential, I guess, is a is a word. If I had to describe it, I would say influential. Um, and... The great thing about my first time seeing this, I had no idea what I was going to watch because I had some form of an expectation of what I thought I was going to get and what I actually got was far better than what I was expecting and I could not be more grateful. Um, and it's just, it was amazing. It was it was truly amazing. Marlon Brando is Vito Corleone. 
or Vito Corleone. Not really sure how you pronounce that. Um, and it is just it, it's 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 incredible how Marlon Brando's performance was able to to uh, uh, imprint on me the magnitude of that character in so few scenes because. He wasn't in the movie that often because he was in the beginning and stuff. And then, you know, shit pops off uh, shortly into it. And then he's not in it as much. And still, at that point, I, I was still into, I, I still felt for the Don. Like, I still wanted to see more of him. And I really respected him as a character. And he's honestly uh, probably one of the coolest characters this whole season as well. Um, mechanically as well, I will also, um, piggyback off of what you said. Cinematography is spectacular. Just some really, some really good shit here. Um, and the score, God, man, the score is beautiful. It is honest. Oh my goodness. It is, it is honestly amazing. Just the opening theme on its, on its own. It is just stuff that I, it's, it's the stuff of, 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 it's a masterpiece, quite frankly, and um, it, it's. I don't think there's anything that really touches it. Uh, or sorry, getting a little ahead of myself, but it is. It is definitely one of the um, one of the best scores we have here, uh, hands down. But uh, I'll just honestly, everything that I just said. Great performances, great cinematography, uh, great score, great movie all around. Perfect. Just, just a great time. I don't know if I'd call. It, actually, yeah, I probably would call it perfect. Yeah, I, I think I would go ahead and jump, make that jump, call it perfect. But uh, that's enough of my rambling at this point. Let's go ahead and tell the folks what you would give it, Sir Quattro. Give this boy a good old ten out of ten. Nice masterpiece, amazing film. Same, right on, right, right there with you, sir. I got a ten out of ten. High five. High five. Um, ten out of ten, hands down, masterpiece. Great movie. Great movie. Uh, now, moving on to the next film, the third film in this block, we have Scarface, released in 1983, directed by Brian De Palma, written by Oliver Stone and Armitage Trail, starring Al Pacino, Stephen Bauer, I believe is how you say that name, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio, and with a Rotten Tomato score of 82%, and a critics' consensus reading... Director Brian De Palma and star Al Pacino take it to the limit in this stylized, ultra-violent, and eminently quotable gangster epic that walks a thin white line between moral drama and celebratory excess. I'd like to point out the pun there. They were talking about cocaine. What I thought, though, this country, you've got to make the money first. Then when you get the money, you get the power. Then when you get the power, then you get the woman. That's why you gotta make your own moves. Yeah, baby. <laughs> the cocaina. Cocaina. <laughs> How'd you feel about Scarface, sir? <sighs> or would you rather I go first? Since you no, do? no, no. It's all right. It's a lot said about this movie. First. I love the mini history montage uh, at the beginning of the episode. Wait, what? Uh, the episode, dog? Beginning of this movie. There we go. Um, as we know, the movie takes place during the Cuban Missile Crisis, where a huge influx of Cuban um, immigrants came here uh, trying to escape uh, Fidel Castro and the uh, communist regime. 
Uh, so I thought that was really cool. Uh, we got and we also got an early look into Tony Montana when he's being when he's detained by ICE. Um, and it really just tell you everything you need to know about his character in the first few minutes of the film. Mm-hmm. He's got an incredibly short fuse and he's got that Latino heat. Shout out to all my uh, Eddie Guerrero fans. Um, <laughs> so I always like think think about the good stuff for the film first. Uh, the film looks very lived in. Um, it's very dirty. In in dirty is what kind of like the word I like to use. Like Damn, everybody's just... sweaty and hot looking. Oh my god! <laughs> okay, there we and go. Yeah, it just it, it get... looks very lived in. Let's get some and I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I also thought Tony Montana's uh, mental decline throughout the film was really well done. Um, it wasn't like a flip of the switch like Bradley Cooper in uh, that other movie that I hate, uh, American Hustle. American Hustle, where mm-hmm. it just was like, bro, what, what happened? <laughs> no, nah, like there was a, a natural progression of ideas the entire throughout the entire film. Um, I also really liked how while that was declining, he was still rising in the ranks of the the family he was in. Mm-hmm. Um, well, in, family, like, not family, he... but in the position, the ranks of the mob. Yeah, the cartel. Yeah, there we go. The yeah, well, it... No, it's not a cartel though. No, I don't think it's the cartel because the there's only one cartel, I believe. No, no, there's multiple. But really, yeah, I thought the I thought the biggest one was the Mexican cartel. No, there's like multiple cartels. So Breaking Bad lied to me. Well, like, they didn't lie to you, but, like, they're dealing with that particular cartel. Like, they're just, like, the Italian the cartel. Italian get the head of the cartels on the phone, bro. I got an issue. We need to talk. Which which head? Get the, like, get it, the like head. They're, they're all, they all operate, like, just like families do. Get, get, nah, bro. Get, the, get like, the cartel, get the cartel customer for example, service on the phone. the Galindo home. cartel, the Cortez cartel. Like, they're all different. But where do they operate out of? So all out of Mexico. Mexico's kind of big. <laughs> I understand. Well, all right, jackass. I mean, I want to be the job. Just saying. Like, I understand. I no, I know, but I'm saying I was under the impression. You think that, there's only one set of Irish kings? A few moments later. Like, there's no. Yeah, they're all different. But no, I, I, no, we're not gonna just get, speed zoom past this just because I have a question. I did not know for and no, I know that there's not just one Italian family. But I thought I didn't know that the cartel operated the same way as the families did. Maybe this is just ignorance on my part. But literally everything that I've ever seen that mentioned the cartels says the Mexican cartel. They don't say such and such cartel out of such and like they don't they don't distinct they don't distinguish like the Corleone family or mm. or I can't think of any other names. But they they don't distinguish them by name. They distinguish it as the cartel. The cartel is an entity that is. On its own, and if you if you mess with them, you will die, or bad stuff will happen to you. I don't have the answer to why. Like, and that's why I why said get the get, car, get the cartel customer but service on like, the phone. I, I need. I got questions. It's conditioning from the 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 people in this country who you know just generalized. We're going to build a wall. It's going to be built. Those people. So you, wow, you really are gonna make that jump and call me racist? No, no, I'm not calling you racist. I'm calling whoever taught you that there was only one cartel <laughs> racist. Oh my god! I'm not calling you racist. You, you ignorant. That's all that is. That's, <laughs> the, only, that's the only. That's the only thing I charge you. With. Oh my god! Stop right there, criminal scum. And trust me, bro. I didn't know. So like the person that taught me was racist. Like I had to rethink my thinking about the cartel. 
So this movie, that, that bro, that's a that's a knock to this movie in general, and what it, it not a knock, but it, it I praise this film for teaching us to retool our thinking about the cartel. But to stop wait, generalizing but people. But wait, I don't remember there being. I don't even remember. Oh yeah, it wasn't even the cartel. We, I was we not in the fucking cartel. <laughs> ah, bro. No, you are so dumb. You are really dumb, for real. As I was saying. Oh my god. Uh, this film has amazing cinematography. I always love when stuff is shot in Miami. Miami's so colorful and vibrant. It it they really shot it so well. And the the settings that they were in, like his house and uh even his sister's house was like absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. The clubs just colored. You know I'm a big colored guy, so I loved it. Um Well I, I know you're a big colored guy, but I know I, I don't think we I don't think we use colored anymore. I think we can say we're black. I, I think that's something that we can we can say. I'm sorry, that was low-hanging fruit, but I just had to I had to pick it. I'm sorry. Really, nigga? I mean... Went uh, right out of my cells. There, there's... <laughs> 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 and like I mentioned before, I like a good old American dream narrative. And yes, people that aren't white can, you know, live the American dream. Liar! So, uh, to see... Spoken uh, like a capitalist. <laughs> <laughs> to see uh, Al, Al Pacino's character and Tony Montana uh, go from a rags to riches story was amazing. And it's crazy. Ever since I took that American Dream class, everything is an allegory to the American Dream because it's so many different things. Now, the bad. This movie had a main character who had the majority of the lines oh my gosh. who could not be understood. I... That bothered me. I had to watch the film with subtitles because the motherfucker would come on that bit and be like, I thought I was on. Oh my gosh. I'm like, who in the... F I get Al Pacino's a great actor, but like, I know he's better than this. You can, you can be understood. I need you to be understood. And also, his, his relationship with his sister was disgusting. That was so gross. And then, like, he it just was a get, terrible... It didn't get gross until, like, the end. He was a terrible person, even then. He was so controlling. He was just a man. <laughs> he was a man. And I don't like it. And just... I, I don't understand the cult, the cult following behind this film. Like, I get what it's done for hip-hop and, like, you know, the drug game. But, like, I just don't think this movie was, like, the greatest thing in the world in terms of, like, crime and gangster films. Like, this film was... It's fun. It it just annoying. Wow, I'm I'm I'm. That is all I have to say on it. It is your turn. Take the floor. Uh, I I will I will take do so. Um, I think the one of the biggest reasons why the movie is you know the cult classic that it is is because from what I can from what I can tell, most movies that be, end up becoming cult classics have have a lot of have a few things. They have a lot of violence. Oftentimes gratuitous, um, have a lot of uh, very attractive people. Sorry, namely women, mostly women, uh, and there's a protagonist that people, uh, mostly dudes, can uh, really get behind and and kind of imagine themselves being. They like to live vicariously through the person that they're watching. Which is why movies like Scarface or um, or Pulp Fiction uh, it doesn't. That's why reasons movies like that have like kind of the cult following that they have because, in my opinion, at least, is because like they they cater to 
um, certain sensibilities and stuff that you know are engaging for people to uh, get behind. So I think that's my. So that'd that, be a mush mouth drug gangster. Okay. Oh if you want to be that? That's cool. Oh my god. Oh man. Um, that was that's that's at least my interpretation of why it's it is a quote unquote cult classic. But um, also every time you you bring up his accent like or his the fact that he can't be heard understood sorry because he can definitely be heard he screams a lot i it just feels wrong like it, it feels like there should be something it feels like someone should come and smack you with the with the with the newspaper like no and i just i mean i don't have a newspaper but um i don't know i just it, it just don't feel right every time it, it, it makes me it gets I get an itch and I just can't scratch it can I, can I ask you something what's what's that man can I borrow a give a fuck cause I don't have one I'm out so. I, I, I think you I think you should have said can I borrow a fuck instead no, of a give a fuck I don't wanna borrow a give a fuck cause I'm out of give a fucks today I'm gonna go to the give a fuck but, but maybe but that's not really the I way you go to the library and check out a give a fuck but then you have to return it but we but don't it's not even library a, books here. But it's not even a give a fuck. It's a fuck. I whatever. I need a give a fuck because I don't have. But you need a. You don't need a give a fuck. You need a fuck to give. No, to give a fuck. Oh my god! Need a gaff. My brain hurts. Ah. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Ah. Uh, wow. I am. Matt, I'm, bottom line, I don't care. I, understood. I uh, fucking understood. All right. Hey, whoa, 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 hey, whoa. Hey, don't, don't be pronouncing all them syllables like that, bro. I don't like the way it's too much bass in that fuck. Ging. I don't like that. <laughs> fucking understand. This motherfucker, I, like, bro, bro. Hey. I can't stand this nigga. All right. Anyway, um, what the fuck was I about to say? Oh yeah. As as uh, as for my uh, actual thoughts on the film, I certainly enjoyed it more than Quattro did. Um, I thought this was a great time i had a great time watching this uh i see the cult classic appeal i mean it's 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 like it's it's cool it's got action it's a violent movie um and so granted i don't i don't know no part of me wants to be like tony montana or whatever but i don't know it just i i see it i personally really also like scarface this version at least because um it is it, it it was a great character study like you said it it did a great job of demonstrating tony's character traits and them subsequently become and uh they didn't be turn into flaws they were always flaws it just so happens that they didn't um begin begin to negatively impact his life uh until you know he got later in it but it's earlier in life they were things that helped him they were things that uh uh were important in his ascension uh and through the ranks of whatever the hell he was wasn't the cartel um we still get an opportunity to see him uh we we see exactly the things that make him tick and it is it's really engaging to me personally that was something that's a reason that's another reason why i really like the movie because outside of all the the violence and stuff there's still some type of uh, material character development here, uh, and character. There's a there's some there's some type of uh, interesting character um, uh, uh, study. I use that word, but whatever. Um, here and it's it's fun to to watch and it's interesting to watch the downfall because, in my personal case, I did like Tony uh, because 
I like the idea of someone coming like rags to riches. I like, I'm rooting for you. Like, oh, you were poor and now you're not anymore. Like, congrats. And he ended up, uh, it ended up uh, blowing up in his face, blowing up, blowing up in his face. Uh, whew. Uh, also, this is a movie from Brian De Palma. Um, so I was, another reason why I liked this so much is because my expectations were a little, uh, high, but also I was worried about it because The Untouchables, another Brian De Palma film, I did not really care for all that much. And it was nice to see something, uh, see him go in a completely different direction. Uh, granted this came out before The Untouchables, but, uh, it, it was still really cool to see, um, you know, that it, it was, it was cool for me at least to, to see a movie like, oh snap, this guy isn't a director who I'm not a fan of. It's just so happens that that was a movie that I'm not, I want, I'm not a fan of. It appears. And also based on what I've looked at, it looks like Brian De Palma is a pretty polarizing director or a, a, a director with hits and a lot of hits and misses. So take that for what you will. Uh, my last uh, critique of the movie, uh, I'll say is Michelle Pfeiffer's character. Uh, she was very, she was pretty underdeveloped, which I guess is a symptom of the time, but that's besides the point. The point is, I, uh, that was just something that I'd noted and I was like, oh, Michelle Pfeiffer in what she had to do, she was good, but she didn't have much to do. So it, uh, it, it felt like a bit of a missed opportunity, but that's, that's all I'll say on that. Uh, I absolutely see why this is uh, a very iconic gangster movie, a cult classic, as you put it. And, um, Yeah. I, I just, I enjoyed it. I liked it enough. And that is something, that is why I was very uh, adamant that it make its way into the Sweet 16. So, uh, if you're ready to rate it, sir, what you gonna give this bad boy? 7.5 out, 7. out of 10. 7.5 out of 10? I'm gonna go 8. 8 out of 10. Um, uh, I liked it a lot. I really enjoyed uh, Scarface. And I'm impressed that even... He don't even have a scar on his face. Um... You know what? I feel like by the end of the movie he does. I don't remember. Well, yeah, like some little something like coming something down like from that. his eye, something, something like that. But regardless, I'm also impressed that should have been called Mushmouth. Oh my gosh, I'm impressed that you gave it as high a score as you did. Because given all your all the shit you talk, but I was give, look it, at all the good I gave it. Though. No, 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 you did. I'm just saying, given all the shit you talk, I imagine you giving this shit like at least no higher than a six. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I'm I'm glad you gave it a seven and a half. Now, moving on to the last movie. Did you rate it? Huh? What did you rate it? Uh, Eight. Eight out of ten. Cool, cool, cool. So, moving on to the last film in today's block, we have The Untouchables, released in 1987, directed by Brian De Palma, written by David Mamet, Oscar Fraley, and Elliot Ness, starring Kevin Costner, Sean Connery, Charles Martin Smith, and Andy Garcia, with a Rotten Tomatoes score of 83% and and a critics' consensus reading Slick on the surface, but loaded with loaded with artful touches, Brian De Palma's classic gangster thriller is a sharp look at period Chicago crime, featuring excellent performances from a top-notch cast. I want you to get this fuck where he breathes. I want you to find this Nancy boy, Elliot Ness. I want him dead. I want his family dead. I want his house burnt to the ground. I want to go to the middle of the night. I want to piss on his ass. Go ahead and kick us off, man, because I know... You like this a uh, whole lot more than I do. I like this movie a lot. Duh. I do. Um, first off, you got to look at the cast. Kevin Costner and Sean Connery. Um, here's a little tidbit about Quattro. These are two of his favorite actors of all time. Why are you talking in the third person? Why are you interrupting me? 
Avery, I'm sorry. That's a better question. All right, I'm sorry. My bad. That's my, bad. my bad. I'll sit back. I'll let you talk. My bad. And thank you. All right. Kevin Costner and Sean Connery are two of my favorite actors. Um, I love Kevin Costner's I see work. you fixed it, though. Punk ass. Continue. <laughs> I'm back. Sorry, y'all. I had to stick him real quick. Um... I really loved uh, Sean Connery in this movie too, as a as a consummate like mentor to Kevin Costner's character. Um, so seeing those two work together was amazing. And R.I.P. Sean Connery, who passed away last year. Um, also, this movie had great cinematography, um, especially in the beginning. Um, and I know me and you kind of have differ on this, and like I agree with you, but like I just enjoyed what I got. But I do agree in the fact that Al Capone, uh, Robert De Niro's character, was very underutilized and really didn't really need to be in the film. No. Although he's the antagonist because that's who the untouchable, the real untouchable, were trying fine. to get. I don't have an issue with Robert or the Al Pacino. And the fact that like, the showdown wasn't even with, Al, with with him, it was with the other guy, like I, one of his I, guys. I have no issue with the fact that Al Capone is in the movie. I have issue, I take issue with the fact that Al Capone is Robert De Niro. And he had like maybe... 10 minutes of screen time. Yeah. See, underutilized talent. I don't like to see that from some of my favorite actors. But um, I also enjoyed the small uh, title crawl. Uh, it reminded me a lot of Star Wars. I thought that was really a nice touch. Even though this movie came out in... I thought I wrote that down. 87. Yep. So we would have got... So geez, the I think first we got all three. All three. The all, first three, all three were Because the last now. one came out in 77. So, damn. 10 no, years later. the last one came out in 82. 82. Sorry. The first one came out in 77. But... Um, yeah, so it reminded me a lot of Star Wars. I thought that was cool. The exposition dump uh, through like history lessons and new sound bites, I thought was really cool. Because um, I like I don't mind exposition dump, but if unless if you can put it in like a very interesting you know little box, you know put a bow on it, I like stuff like that. Uh, the acting in it in this film was pretty solid, from Kevin Costner all the way to Sean Connery um, to Robert De Niro, Andy Garcia, just everybody did an amazing job. Um, and it was a great mix of action and drama. I think the my favorite sequence in the film was when they were trying. They were in Canada and they had to like work with the with the Mounties. I thought that was really cool. Um, and in the end, where like they all got killed, spoiler alert. But I thought that was really interesting because Al Capone was like he was tough. Like you wasn't really finna mess with him and he not get you and he got them. And to see like it all come down to tax evasion, which we all know the real story. You know he did all these terrible things but what would what you know broke the uh the straw that broke the camel's back was tax evasion so i always thought that was cool um and the only really negative i have is the al capone um the underutilization of robert de niro as al capone ah that's it that be all sir all right uh quick little side tangent is because i'm i like to do this kind of i like to Make sure we're as correct as possible. Let uh, fact check me. That's okay. I like it. Thank you. The last Star Wars... No, this is actually I'm fact checking myself because I said the last Star Wars movie came... Or, not the last. Uh, the Return of the Jedi was the last one. The last of the original trilogy came on 82. It came on 83. So, uh, New Hope, 83. Or, sorry, 77. Empire Strikes Back, 80. Return of the Jedi, 83. Yeah, okay. You gotta get that right, boy. Star Wars fans do not play. <laughs> yeah, they don't. They might not even... They probably won't even listen to this, but whatever. Um, now, on to the movie, The Untouchables. Um, what can I say? I was 
considerably underwhelmed, which is odd because I didn't really have any expectations going into it. Uh, so I wasn't really expecting all that much. Uh, but I was still rather disappointed with what ended up transpiring. Um, it, it was a pretty... I don't know. I think my one of my biggest issues was the tonal inconsistency. Uh, I just wasn't really a fan of a lot of the because in a lot of sequences there were there was there was moments where it felt really over the top and goofy and cheesy and i wasn't sure if that was the point because then there would be sequences that followed where it was very uh it was serious like very it was very clearly what was going on was uh was was important and um a serious moment uh there was and something that was not supposed to be funny uh, I will say, I you know. Like, oh, sorry. Oh no, go ahead. I feel like that was um, a lot like the um, the scenes where Al Capone was concerned. Like those were the more uh, funny, cheesy parts because like he was taking the whole thing lightly because he's like, "Bro, there's no way cops can get me." Like I'm on. Like he thought he thought he was untouchable, and then like the serious points came with the with the officers and the people that were trying to take him down. Because like they were serious about taking him down, and like Capone's just like, ah, you can't do it. I'm doing whatever I want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of how I like how I kind of looked at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, that's I definitely can see where you're coming from on that front. I, per, I think though, mainly, I was just, um, I don't know. I, I didn't really appreciate how. I mean, the the movie, like, every time I think of this movie, I think it's all over the place. Like, I don't know exactly what I'm really trying to be, supposed to be feeling, because uh, there's sequences, not even including Al Capone, there's sequences that just feel like, uh, I don't know, like, I don't really know how to describe it, but there's sequences that feel one way, but then there's others that feel another way, and I know that's a very vague way to describe it, but that's just how I felt about it, and... I, I, it just felt like there was a lot of, it, it felt like there was, like, we would set up some, some, like, emotional, or not even emotional, just some, like, some, some credibility, some credibility in the seriousness aspect, and we would, like, kind of give ourselves some, some, something to, to work with there, and then we would immediately, not immediately, that's a little bit of hyperbole on my part, but we would undercut it uh, shortly thereafter with a, a, a bit of a goofy scene, which, is something that I wasn't really uh, appreciative of, and you said that you liked the the Canada scene a lot. I actually didn't uh, enjoy it all that much. It that was one of the parts that felt really inconsistent to me tonally, at least. Uh, at least the watching it go down. Um, I think leading up to it, and then prior, and then like the falling action of it uh, weren't as bad as far as like the inconsistency was concerned. But it still was something that I was not a huge fan of. Um, it, it, I don't know. I, it just didn't really, it didn't do it for me the way I was hoping it would, or not even hoping just the way that it did it for you in that sense. Um, also, I mean, Robert De Niro really underutilized, but we, you already said that. And Kevin Costner, uh, I, I mean, great performances all around, honestly. Uh, Kevin Costner and Sean Connery were both, uh, great, but, I really enjoyed Kevin Costner's portrayal of uh, Elliot Ness because um, I could really see the internal conflict that he had, especially whenever some something really questionable would happen. Uh, that was something that I could uh, appreciate and get behind, and it made the character of Elliot Ness uh, more interesting, and uh, it made the payoff 
uh, at the end by the time like he was able to get out of everything uh, it, it made it feel a lot uh, uh, it, it, it offered a pretty uh, satisfying uh, and cathartic ending but um, that, that's that's essentially all I'll say on it um, I'm not oh there's also the one scene that's like the most iconic from this movie uh, the the um, the train see not the train it's like I think they're at the train station and like the the, the strollers falling down the yes. steps and stuff like that that's a really good scene I really like that scene but uh, that's all that's I just wanted to mention that because I feel like you kind of have to mention that and we talk about the untouchables but um yeah that, that's about uh, that's honestly most of my thoughts on on the untouchables so um I think I think we can go ahead and read it if you are ready. I'm giving this movie a solid eight point five. Wow, it's high. Mm. No, gonna go eight out of ten. Okay, nice. Well, I'm going six out of ten. Uh, definitely was not as big a fan of it as you were, but I mean, hey, I'm glad I'm glad you liked it, man. We had two Brian De Palma movies. Uh, we split them. You didn't like one. I liked one. You didn't like the other. I didn't like one. That was fucking stupid. Anyway, um, no. You're fucking stupid. Well, that's all, folks. Uh, thanks for ch- t- uh, tuning in uh, today for this episode. Um, next week, we're going to be coming at you with the next review block. Um, uh, we're going to be doing the next few episodes. Uh, sorry. Two few movies. Yes, we're going to be reviewing the next uh, next sequence of movies. Uh, we have four. Not going to tell you what they are now, but you'll see next week. Uh, so, again, thanks for uh, tuning in. Uh, hope you're appreciating this. Uh, appreciating. Hope you're enjoying the season so far. Um, please make sure you share your thoughts on any of our reviews. Uh, share your own review on the movies as well. Uh, you can DM us on either Twitter or Instagram at uh, brackets underscore B-rolls. Uh, you can follow us there. You can comment under any of our pictures. And um, you can tweet at us, too. You know, we'll see all that. We'll respond to anything and everything. Because, uh, you know, we are, we're whores for attention. Um, but uh, I think that's about it. I already said you guys can follow us on, you know, brackets underscore B-rolls. Uh, where can they find you at, sir? Catch me on Instagram at Quattro IV with period between the C and the U. C period U-A-T-R-O-I-V. Catch me on Twitter at Red Kool-Aid 317. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, you guys can check me out on Instagram at flyguy.ty, two eyes and fly. And then you can find me on Twitter at flyguyty7, two eyes and fly again, of course. Uh, again, thanks for checking us out. Or sorry. thanks. Yeah, well, yeah, thanks for checking us out. Thanks for checking the show out. Uh, if you know anyone who's interested in this sort of thing, who's interested in movies, interested in tournaments, or just or you guys just like hearing us uh, fucking banter and shit, and you want, you want people to check that out, please um, share this with your friends. Leave us some five-star ratings and reviews on the Apple Podcast app because uh, they help us get organic exposure. Uh, I realized a little later on in the season as we were recording uh, in the first block, I don't think I mentioned that at all. So this is me mentioning it for the first time in episode three uh, that we're recording after episode 12. This has been such an odd show to do. Uh, it, it's fun, though. Really fun. Really appreciative of you guys uh, listening. So, but uh, that's that's it for today. Uh, again, see you guys next time. And the brackets and B rolls. We don't.